Life's a Mitch. Welcome back. This is episode 20 of Life's a Mitch. So last week, I spoke to one of my workmates, Jason. His uh, experiences were using alternative medicine as a self, self-proclaimed hippie, as he called it. And we spoke a bit about the mining lifestyle and uh, you know the impacts it's had on our health and whatever else. So, and this week we have actually a part of the lifeblood of this uh, this here podcast. Every week you hear an intro and uh, with little guitar riffs and uh, it sounds pretty schmick. And this gentleman right here is responsible for it. So before you hear it, Mitch, you're hearing a part of this legend's work. So without further ado, sir, I'll get you to introduce yourself and can you tell the people how we know each other, please? Yep, my name's Dan and we met at work. About four years ago, four years ago, five years ago. Yeah, about four and a half, five years ago now. Um, so yeah, it's um, it's been interesting. So Dan, he's a he's a muso. He's a he's located in Newey. He's a young father of two, a happily married man living in the absolute deluxe apartments in the sky overlooking the beach. And um, what did what made you want to come on today, sir? Um, thought it'd be good. And that's episode twenty of Life's Admits. Thanks, guys. <laughs> now we um. So Dan and I, we one thing that we sort of um, realised whilst we work together is that we're both big nerds. Um, Dan's a few years on me, so he's got a bit more experience in the arena, but we spoke about things like our love for comics and uh, the old cartoons that used to play in the sort of circa 90s, um, you know, and a lot like movies as well, like, you know, the D- the recent DC movies and, um, you know, further, further enhancing on that. So... I guess the first question to you today is, what was your first fandom, and when did you realise that you were a fan of the genre? Uh, uh, Ninja Turtles. So is that like the TV show, the movies, the comic? Like, where did it all start for you? The cartoon initially, and then they had a book, a book fair at my primary school in year two, and they actually had like a collected edition of the Eastman and Laird comics, and I bought one at the book fair, and I was obsessed with comics and comics as an art form from that time on but the first major fandom was ninja turtles um everything ninja turtles figurines video games comic books the movies well the first movie and yeah sort of sprung from there yeah i remember the first one i watched on vhs was ninja turtles and the secret ooze or the secret of the ooze or whatever it was i think it was the second one in the trilogy if my memory serves me correctly who was your favorite turtle michelangelo yeah i like pizza just as much as that dude yeah yeah just he's, he's nothing like in the cartoons and the movies he's nothing like he's in the comic book he's pretty like a pretty minor turtle in the comics but in the movies you're sort of like the the more popular one so it's funny how it works out but yeah he was always my favorite it's kind of like the comic relief kind of like what korg is in thor yeah yeah you can say that yeah pretty much uh yeah but that was it that was my first fandom and then from there it was x-men and then i was hugely into spider-man like massively massively into spider-man and then then i started spending my pocket money on alcohol and cigarettes and all that sort of stuff when i was a teenager so i didn't have enough money for comic books anymore but i got back into them as an adult well you know priorities i mean that's fair enough and you've even got your your awesome gambit shirt on today which i love yep and we were supposed to catch up so you were i worked with you for three years i'm not going to say the name of where the pit is because not had in terms of media to mention where it is or the company so I'm going to say we worked together in Hunter Valley, and now you're working at West. And how's the new roster going for you and the new setup? Yeah, good. I mean, it's like I was saying before, they they say sitting's a new smoking. So, you know, going from sitting in a big machine, 12 hours, night shift, me- messing with your metabolism, uh, you, know, you know, hurting your back even though you're not doing anything, you know, 
having all your, your core and all your core muscles shrink and lose um, stability to, um, you know, doing a physical job again and, you know, and being more accountable. It's, yeah. it's good, really. So you, good. You are, you're one of the rare, you've got a, a like a, a, you're one of the rare breeds is that you've delved in both the underground mining and open cut. So, you know, just for those of us who mightn't have an idea, can you just explain sort of underground mining 101 and what are some of the things involved? It's quite physical and you're always covered in coal dust, I'd imagine, and mud and shit. Yeah uh okay so basically you, you operate in two panels so one's development which is basically cutting what they call gate roads and, and tailgate roads basically setting up for a long wall to come in so the gate roads set up and yeah basically they they get ready for the long wall to come in afterwards you're cutting about a 200 meter face of coal when the long wall comes in basically yep. you make a path for it and the long wall cuts its way back as the roof collapses behind it and while that long wall's taking the, the coal out, you, you build another gate road. So you just sort of keep going. It operates in long wall blocks. So, yeah, pretty much that that's it. It's different to open cut where you, you're drilling and you, uh, you drill your way to the next seam. You know where the next seam is. So you put all the drill holes in and load them with explosives and come in from the top down. You, you're basically underground mining. You're entering on the one seam and you're just taking what you can from that one seam. So Moving in sort of like a like a, like a lower horizontal sort of style direction. Yeah, but it's, 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 it's fairly gridded out because you, you need it to be for ventilation reasons as well. So, you know, if, if the, you don't cut the roads properly, uh, it affects the ventilation for the entire mine. You've got an intake and a return, you know, travel roads, everything like that. It's actually quite more in-depth underground mining, which is, you know, it's good to keep your, keeps your brain more engaged as well as opposed to being in the open cut and just, you know, blowing up the ground and having diggers come and load it in your truck and you either take the truck to the dump or you take it to the Romstock pile and that's about it. Yeah, so it's more like more camaraderie, more brotherhood sort of underground because if you don't come together, then, you know, all sorts of bad shit can go down also than an open cut, I'd imagine. Yeah, and there's not really anywhere to hide. You can hide in a truck in the open cut and keep your mouth shut and people don't really know who you are or, you know, you're not really accountable for anything. Yeah. If you're working underground and, you know, you're in a tight-knit panel and you're bludging on them, then, you know, you've got nowhere to hide really. So. Yeah, that's fair enough. So, you know, now that you've made the change and got out of where we worked together, things are looking brighter? Um, yeah, but it's not... You know, I mean, in hindsight, you can always look back, you know, on the on the good aspects. You know, I still talk to a lot of people from our old work. Um, you know, I've got a lot of good friends and everything like that. It just really wasn't for me. It didn't suit me in yeah. the work sense. You know what I mean? Like, it just wasn't, yeah, just wasn't, wasn't really for me. I, I need to be constantly physically engaged or mentally engaged. And, you know, working in an open cut, you, you can get away with not being that way. And, That's true. So, and then, oh, sorry. You go. I don't really evolve as a person or anything like that. It's easy. It's, it's very it's very comfortable. It's probably too comfortable for someone like me. So it suits some people. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, on me personally, like for now, it's it's fine. I've got no intentions going into it now. But ultimately, since I started doing this, I have aspirations to get into the media. And I'd like to, you know, work on radio or, you know, with my combination of I enjoy like write, creative writing as well. So maybe going to be a journal or something like that. Um, so maybe I should look into uni or something. It's just this is the year for me to sort of like change my stride and, you know, I'm in intentions of buying a house and starting to see what's next for me. So, you know, it's, as you said, life truly, I come from a, a world where I've 
always been a free-spirited traveller. I mean, you and I have spoken about my exploits around the world and, um, you know, some of the stuff. You know, you told me about your trip, trips to Japan and that shit you've had too. And, um, you know, I, you, the more you sort of talk, focus on how big the world is, people in that in that culture forget that it is a big, wide world and micro-communities form. And, you know, you get, you know, little town syndrome. So everyone, you become the talk of the town if you do something out of the norm. Oh, yeah, and, that's- that's 100% correct. It's like that where I am too. Like, you know, Mudgee's a small place, but, you know, a lot of people out there think it's the epicenter of the universe. It's very much like Singleton or anything like that. You know, the best footy player in Mudgee or Singleton must be the best footy player ever. They must be the best fighter ever. You know what I mean? It's it's, it's, it's a big world out there, but, you know, it's never too late to, to do what you want to do, Mitch. I mean, if you want to do the uni thing, it's, it's a Bachelor of Communication. It's only about a two-year course. Um and, but the thing yeah. is, doing courses like that, they teach you what people have already come up with, and it's not really a good way to reinvent the wheel, you know what I mean? Um, you either have your own sort of thing going or you don't, and it's, it's like anything. Like, you can do music theory, you can do whatever, but all you're getting taught is what other people have already come up with. Yeah, and it's a shame because in this world, you know, if you go for a job somewhere, you need said bona fides to get your foot in, in the door. And it's it can be frustrating. So unless, you know, you've got something going on. But this, yeah, that's what the, that's what this is. I mean, if someone, you know, if I go for like a presenter's role somewhere or and they go, what have you worked on? And you can whip out 20 odd hours of podcasting and editing and then, you know, shows that you are eclectic and you're not afraid to speak to people. So maybe later on the track, that's what will happen for me. Me, but we'll see how we go. Um, yeah, I'll be sure the best, man. I've, I've, I've nothing more than to see you, you know, pretty much everyone there. Like everyone, it's like like I was. And the only thing is, is I knew I could get out of there and I just didn't. You know, I stayed probably two, three years longer than I should have. And, and it's just, you, yeah, you just don't evolve. You just sort of stay comfortable. Well, it's not exactly like, you know, the wages, you know, especially if you permo there, it's not exactly a wage you can turn your nose up at, you know, and I can no, see why people. The golden handcuffs, really. But at yeah. the you know, same time, a, a lot of people there don't have aspirations for anything else, don't think they're capable of anything else. You know, a lot of people are. A lot of, you know, I met a lot of clever people there. A lot of people surprised me when I was working there. And, I was, you know, it's just one of those things. I mean, you know, I can create music with, you know, one of my best mates, Bill, and my other best mate, Sam. And we got bugger all likes on Facebook. And, and you know, not really many of that people listen to us, but I can get paid. 160 grand a year to destroy the planet you know what i mean it's, it's the circle odd. of life <laughs> yeah well, yeah it's just odd it's just funny how the world sort of works i mean some industries are just more exploitable than others and yeah it's just one of those things but i mean I, yeah I, I really hope you hope this goes great for you to be honest i mean appreciate that i'd love nothing more than to see you and, and hina and all that just find a better way well hina was on episode three and um Speaking about his, um, you know, he's he's got his side hustle thing going on, but he, you know, I don't think he has any intentions of leaving. He's he's enjoying it. Um, um, for those of you who haven't listened back, he's a Kiwi guy who grew up in South Auckland in a place called Mangere, and um, you know, he's described it as ghetto sort of style, like Harlem or you know Brooklyn, and um, he through had some hardships, the poor bugger, and he he was able to bring his family over from New Zealand himself, his wife and his kids, and he set himself up, you know, so he's got some determination and I admire him enormously, you know, for what he's achieved and he, um, oh, yeah, he's become one of my best friends at the pit and a lot of time for Hina, um, even if he is a tragic Warriors supporter, but, you know, we won't touch that. Um, no, it's not really a hateable team. Nah. 
my team's starting to become hateable because we did the Viking clap on the weekend. <laughs> so, yeah, Dan is a, or McGiven, he's a monster-sized Penny Panthers fan. Um, on fire this year. Yeah, last year, but they, they fucking bottled it in the game that mattered. Having said that, I thought that they should have probably lost to Souths in the game to get into the grand final. I thought they were lucky to get away with that one. Souths were charging it up. And I think that if there was another 10 minutes in the grand final, they had it. They were coming home stronger than Melbourne were. They they were starting to capitulate at the end. But they had enough in the tank to get them across the line. So, you know. Yeah, Penrith you know. Just, just got stage fright. The first, the first half pretty much killed them. I mean, all the mistakes they made, I, it's one of those things like, yeah, it just happens. I, I, I honestly thought they'd probably struggle a bit this year because they got rid of... Um, a lot of their senior forwards, but hasn't seemed to have affected them yet. But, you know, teams are going to keep coming after them. So either way, it's, it's better to see them consistently good than consistently bad like they, they have been for the majority of my life. <laughs> I can relate to that. I'm a Sharkies fan, and obviously you've heard the news about uh, one Johnny Morris, have you? Oh, yeah, that's a pretty big joke, to be honest. I mean, I, there's, he, just, um, there's no loyalty anymore no i i was you know he was a he's an aberdeen boy he used to play for the aberdeen tigers yeah he started with the knights on the wing and played like every position you could possibly could except for front row i'm pretty sure and over his career he had a pretty good career yeah and he uh, made a side hustle as a male model i mean the man still got it um now my you know bit of trivia my nan used to run a um a daycare ooh, back in aberdeen or scone 40 years ago and um johnny morris used to be one of the kids she looked after that's her claim to fame yeah nice and i was like oh yeah cool i didn't know that but you know that's cool and um yeah just the way that they just didn't have the stones to let him finish the year then tell him at the end of the year oh yeah we've signed a new coach and to find out his wife rang him she found out from a, a post from fox fox's newsfeed or something and i just yeah that's that's pretty it's as a fan frustrates the fudge out of me man but what do you do well, then we grew up that what rugby league wasn't about though, was it? Like it was very much a tight knit game. Everyone looks after their mates. Everyone stays loyal. But it's what happens when professionalism gets into it, and they start bringing pencil neck CEOs in and board members in and everything like that, which I guess they've had to do to make the game the game financially viable and give people a career out of the game. But yeah. You just get pencil necks like that making bad decisions and it does leave a bad taste in people's mouths. I mean, even if the Sharks go well next year, it's still never going to sit right what they've done. Is that the pink lemonade one? Uh, yeah, so I was just having a swig of the kombucha in my hand. And, yeah, I, uh, I actually drink that one. No joke, I've got one in the fridge. Well, there you go. i got a full pack for work and love this stuff. So, um, yeah, I will see what happens with the... But, you know, you could also... Like you look at all the dumps, current dumpster fire clubs, doggies, obviously the Broncos, tight, uh, the Cowboys, and the whole club from the board down, you could say might need a real good looking at, you know, capitulating every week. Um, you know, you've got people like Trent Barrett being hired off, not their list, not their bona fides, but you know, the relationships they have with the board and all that sort of thing. And I don't know, sexy good blokes not doing the best coaching wise. I think it's ironic that. He was an attacking coach for Penrith, yet they couldn't score for three and a half weeks. So, you know. Actually, Bulldogs watching them, their defence has been really bad. I mean, they the first game against the Knights, they were throwing just a short, flat pass to a forward, and the forwards were strolling over from 20 metres out untouched, like the Knights forwards. That's what I couldn't believe on, like, stuff like that. That's like under-12s, biggest kid on the field scores sort of stuff, not 
elite, you know. They're, they're a pub side. Yeah, well, not, it's hard to explain because they've got, you look at the Bulldogs on paper, they're, they're all right. Then they, they should be going better than they are. I mean, two years ago in the second half of the season when Dean Pay was coaching, they were flogging everyone. They weren't living, in a trot, living on the trot or something, didn't they? Yeah, I think it was eight. And one of the games, they smashed the Broncos when the Broncos were decent, like 40 to six. or Like they they were like the best team in the comp for the second half of the season. And then, you know, they get all these injuries and stuff like that. And, you know, not much salary cap space to work with. And Dean Pay gets fucked off. And, yeah, Trent Barrett comes in. I mean, I think they only got him so he could poach players from Penrith because, you know, he's kind of, I'm not a first grade coach, so I, I don't want to talk shit. But he didn't really do that much at Manly. Yep. Um, you know, you look at, well, I mean, there's Pinch and Burton next. Burton's going to the Dogs next year, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, and that's fair enough because he wanted to play consistent first grade and he's too good to play reserve grade. I mean, having said that, the way Penrith is at the moment, their second grade team could probably win, win a yeah. few in the NRLs. Yeah, well, I mean, they've got, look at the like, look at their, how young the club is. I mean, the median age is, what, 26 or something. And you've got all those guys, Luai, Cleary, Kikau, Toto, all young gun players, Crichton. It's it's scary, man. Like as a Sharks fan, no, I coach a few more of them. You always do. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, they Wade Graham, Wade Graham, Lukey Lewis, two of the greatest Sharks of all time. Well, we got you back with Martin Lang and Preston Campbell when we won the comp last, but yeah, no, uh, I think they get to their late late twenties and they want to live by the beach and they've got enough money to buy a place out there, so they take a contract with the Sharks. Hey, you're you're always going to win because we got that human biscuit, Matt Moylan. So you know, on account of that, you won. Yeah. There's there's always speculation who won the trade. You guys definitely won the trade. So yeah, but Maloney and Cleary weren't good when they were on the field together. They were only good when one of them was out. But yeah, I mean, Matt Moylan will have a big year this year because his contract's coming up. Now you got you got. So Dukes, Moylan, Fafita, I think Townsend, and maybe Sean Johnson are all up at the end of the year. I mean, say they that's $3.5 million straight there of salary cap space. You know, Sean Johnson's actually my man crush. Oh, I'd do Sean Johnson. I met him once. Um, I went on to the Matty Johns show, and I met him in studio before, you know, before pandemic times, and needless to say... He's a oh, sexy man. Oof. That he is, sir. That he is. Um, we changed so, man. We... You brushed on Hainer, and I forgot to interject with my thinking. He's a heaps good bloke, and a very what's the word I'm trying to think of? Very honourable person. You know, you can appreciate what he's done with his life and and his attitude, and yeah, it's just another another good person who just falls under the radar at the place you're at. Because a humble, a humble sir. Yeah, not a big mouth or a cocksucker. So <laughs> he's Sorry, Hayner. Oh, Speak, speaking about sort of rolling back on Convo, you mentioned you're a muse and you got a band. So what's the name of your band? Let's give them a shout-out. Sick Circuit. Okay, so what, you know, to those who I've listened to some of your stuff, year, a couple of years ago you put some stuff on USB, and um, at the end of this episode I'm going to play one of your songs, um, and uh, we'll, we'll link all of your socials in the bio underneath. Oh, yeah, but, yeah. got 180 likes on Facebook, so... Anyone wants to add to them, that'll be, it won't really matter. I'm not really on Facebook that much anymore anyway, but yeah. Sorry about it. Positive spin, mate. That's 180 fans that you have made a sick circuit out of. I thank you. <laughs> so, so like, that was pretty good. So tell us, give us a shout out to your bandmates and how did you form and what's, what got you into music? I mean, what do you play? You know, what's your... Uh, sorry, so what got me into music when I was a kid or just lately? Well, well... Oh, in general. So how did you start? Like, how did your music 
you know, how did what 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 did you first get into? What what do you what what did you start playing? And then sort of tell us the story from when you were a kid up to now and what you've dabbled in and well yeah, all that sort of thing. Yeah, so I mean, I always my parents always well, I've got young parents and they always watch Rage on a Saturday morning and stuff like this is back in the early 80s like when I was still living in Penrith I remember seeing Rage on TV you know just music radio all the time in the car driving with your parents just always subconsciously in your head but I started to get really serious about music and liking it obviously when you're a teenager you know I think it might have been 11 or 12 um, just my older sister had like a Faith No More album and I was just obsessed with them. I'm still obsessed with them now. Um, they're like my favourite band. They're a dead heat with Nine Inch Nails as my favourite band. And just stemmed from that. Then, you know, I sort of got into stuff that was popular at the time when I was younger, like, you know, skate punk, like Pennywise and everything like that, but I always preferred heavier music. I, I like everything. I like Prince. I like everything pretty much. But, yeah, it sort of stemmed from that. Everything I could sort of get my hands on, anything that was catchy, anything that stuck in my head, just into it. Yeah really okay. stopped so six circuits got quite a unique sound and you play around with you're a multi-instrumentalist and you dabble in the producing world is that right yeah um yeah i, I, I do a bit um bill the singer is like the main main guy of that i'll i'll sequence a few beats here and there or some other stuff and send it to him and then he'll manipulate it again and then I'll record guitar over it and then he'll manipulate the guitar then I have to learn relearn how to play the things I came up with to um be able to reproduce it live but yeah uh, yeah I'll double in everything but he he's the main he's pretty much got the final say with the final cut of the songs um but the songs are that that open-ended and the programming that we use is that user-friendly that we can come up with three or four different remixes for each song in pretty quick time. So um, it's good in one way, but in other ways, it's like the song's sort of never finished. Like even the music that we did years ago, I can listen to it now and go, ah, oh, it sounds a bit unfinished to me. You know what I mean? So then we'll play it live and it, it, we always had a, a different spin on it because they just evolve. Even your playing evolves, everything. So, yeah. Well, do you ever go back and go, well, hang on. So, album one, song four, let's just say it's called Mitch's, Mitch's Requiem. <laughs> like, do you, do you ever go back and go, well, hang on, well, let's, why not dust it off, dust off the odd song and, and finish it? Do you ever, have you ever thought about doing that sort of thing? Well, or? Well, they're, they're, they're finished. Like, I mean, the way that we recorded them back then, that's finished. Like, they're albums. But, um, I mean, I was, yeah. When we play them live, we'll, we'll change them. We'll change the sequencing of them or add extra bits or whatever we're doing here and there. But, I mean, we can't, you know. I think we our latest album, we Bill did do another version of it. it was, the first one was called Check Your Sector, and then the second one was called Recheck Your Sector. I think that's the last thing we released. It's, oh, no, we've released the first two tracks off our upcoming album in an old B-side that samples Dr. Drake. Um, yeah, nice. But sort of me taking this new job and Bill's finishing his teaching degree, we haven't really been able to finish. We're sitting on like two albums worth of material pretty much. Yeah, nice. So you could say that as time evolves, you know, your experiences change and you could say that your sound sort of has evolved as well. Um, Yeah, I mean, a lot of it just, it's like anything you, you you get better at guitar, you get better at programming, you find different sounds you start to like more, and um, yeah, I mean, everything always evolves. 
sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worse. Sometimes you have to make shit music to realise how much you like your old music, um, you know, stuff like that. But, yeah, we actually, funnily enough, we met. So one of my best mates was playing in a metalcore band with his brother. One of my best mates, he's a drummer. And his younger brother is a guitarist. And he used to come over to my house and he used to demo all their songs on a, a Zoom 16 track I've got, which is 1608 MRS, so multi-recording studio. So he used to come around and it burns CDs. So he'd come around and he'd lay all these guitar tracks down for his band and everything like that. And I was dating a girl from Sydney at the time. So I was never really home on the Central Coast. So I saw my mate's brother more than I actually saw my mate. And I finally caught up with my mate. I went around for a few beers and he's like, oh, we've got a synthesizer player in our band. I reckon you'd get along with him really well. He um he loves all the music you love. Nine Inch Nails, Acumen Nation, you know, all the all the electronic stuff, heaps of electronic stuff from Chicago and everything. I'm like, oh, yeah, cool, I'll have to meet him sometime. Anyway, a few months later, I was at my mate's house, and his brother rocked up with Will, Bill, who I call him. He's wearing an Atari Teenage Riot shirt, and that was it. Just from there, we sort of clicked, and we got talking and added each other on Facebook. Then he said, I've got this project going. You know, I know you play guitar. Do you want to play on it? And I'm like, yes, because I've always wanted to be in a band like this. Um, yeah, so that's sort of where it stemmed from. So I used to go to his house. He lived at Charm Haven, and we uh, recording was 95% laughing at YouTube videos and 5% music. And then we'd go to Snitty Night at Long Legs Club. That was it. And thus the bromance was formed. I mean... You can't go wrong with the snitties at Wong Legs. No, all the steaks, yeah. $10 steak night or $10 snitty night was always good. And video games, so he's one of his housemates, Mitch. Um, must, be, must be a good guy. No, he's a legend. Yeah, he um he had a, a computer program called Hyperspin and it had literally every single arcade game, every console game ever made on a, on a uh, Like PC. an emulator? Yeah, but it was on a PC tower. So yep. then he put the PC tower inside of an old arcade cabinet and set it up with a monitor and everything like that. So it was like an old arcade cabinet that you could play any game pretty much ever on. That's sick. Yeah, so the girl I was dating at the time, um, she went from seeing me a lot to seeing me not much at all because I was uh, either at Bill's recording or playing video games or, you know, at work. I was working underground at the time or I was at... I was in the fire brigade too, so I'd have fire calls every now and then. So... Busy man, yeah. Okay. I hope that's not two separate. I oh, know she'd be alright if if it is two separate recordings. I should just be able to drag it into the after, drag it one in after another. So you know. So yeah, this time I'm using Skype, so it's a different program I'm used to using. So you know, should be right. Should be able to piece it together and just drag, uh, it, drag it in all audacity. There's and two uh, one after the other. Hopefully that works out. But um, okay. So all that said and done, you know the video. So did you name? The band after that, Six Circuit, video games, Wong Leagues, music. No, that was Bill's. Bill always wanted that name, and it was like I'm like, yeah, this is your, you know, I'm I'm more of a conduit to get out what you want. You know what I mean? It's like because I play guitar and everything like that. I'm like I'm a conduit for you, sort of thing. As much as I'd, yeah, he he's the the mastermind and the 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 be all and end all. Um, I'm more of a um, assistant but the name basically comes from it's like it's you're creating music on a, a circuit board or whatever and it's fucked and that's the this is the noise that comes from your you know your computer being fucked up if that makes any sense so if you could uh, if you could describe your sound and style to people you know how would you do that like 
I, it's you know in in sections I've heard it's quite glitchy. It's quite um, certainly you know in parts it's sampling retro video games. It's it's really cool. It's kind of like this euphoric sort of like essentially like an electric trip. It's pretty cool. Um, how would you describe it? Um, yeah, basically it's it's a mixture of all the things we love, you know, and we try and we don't try and fit it all into one song. It just sort of happens. It's not contrived or anything like that. It's it's basically. The way I look at it, when I was a teenager, we did and it was shit. Um, you know, I had a, a bit of an eclectic taste and the closest I could get to any of the music I really was into was having to catch a train down to Utopia Records in Sydney and, and fish for CDs. Like I said, like Acumen Nation, Chem Lab, bands like that. And basically we made it, you know, and we're like, this is for the sort of people like us that had to sort of struggle to find all this music we loved growing up, you know, just it's just like if you live in Sydney or anywhere in Australia, there's, you know, there's people not far away from you that like it and, and are making it. And yeah, if they like it, cool, if they don't, whatever. But it's, it's, it's also therapeutic, as you know, working where you work and I worked for seven years, you can get pretty frustrated. You have a lot of, the one, you know, we, Lahina and I and Jason and I, um, we spoke a bit about like what it is like to operate a bit of gear for 12 hours. So, you know, if you're in a headspace where you're upset or, or anxious or whatever, you got nothing but time to dwell on your thoughts. Um, yeah, and it's, true. it's 100% true. I mean, yeah, and it's, you can't stop. You, you can't stop. They, you know, you want to pull over for two seconds and sort of get out of the cab and gather your thoughts or do some push-ups or whatever, but you can't. So you you have to concentrate on what you're doing plus dwell on what, you know, and just sit with these emotions for hours. I know exactly what you're talking about. Amen, good sir. Um, but yeah, so you know, Six Circuit, check them out. One of their songs will be played at the end of this. Um, and you know, if, so how's um so now now that we're sort of hopefully on the base end of a pandemic, will there be more shows coming up soon, or have you planned not planning anything yet? Or um, it's it's really up to Bill. Um, I mean, he seems it's it's easy for me to hide behind an instrument he's seen you know hopefully soon i mean the last show we played was at the agincourt i think two and a half years ago now that was with a guy from america called realicide and that was actually a really good show that was upstairs in the sports bar but on the ground like at one o'clock in the morning it was actually one of the better shows we've done i quite enjoyed it. it was all good people you know what i mean no ego no crap yeah uh, i'd like to play more shows i'm keen to go whenever bill is really do you hear that bill yeah. Get that up, yeah. Champion. Okay, so each week, I like or each show even. Some of these are coming out multiple times a week. It's it's crazy. Heaps of people have um are interested to to tell their story and I'm heaps humbled by it. But one thing that's um been consistent the entire way through thus far is that people come on and have a good old winch or a good old wine. Um so Mr. Dan, would you like to have a bitchy with Mitchie tonight? Yeah, I, I mean, can you come up with a subject? Because, I mean, life's pretty good for me at the moment, so... Okay, so, you know, people have whinged about things like selfishness, road rage a lot. People have gone about that a lot. Um, You know, we've spoken about things like, you know, when you see a mate in a vulnerable position and you can't you can't help, like you're feeling helpless on the sidelines, whether they're going through, like, a anxious state or whatever. Um, but my bitch for the week is you come across a friend or a family member or whatever, a spouse, and they they have the same issue, but they do nothing about it. So like, for example, uh, a girl I dated in the past um, would get upset about issue ABC and would take no proactive steps to 
you know, try and find a resolution for it. And it's the same shit all the time. You know, you come home, it's a 12-hour shift, and then, you know, she's like, oh, come on up, whatever, cool. And then you get there, finally, it was just the same garbage. It was just like, so what are you doing to better yourself? And then over time, well, I'm, I'm, I'd like to think I'm more patient than sort of most, especially to the one you're dating, of course, but even my patience grew thin. And, like, it's just, it sucks because you want to help the person, but you can't help those who don't want to help themselves. Well, and, like, you know, if someone's like, oh, I, I want to lose that weight, go lose that weight. Oh, I want to, you know, jump ship. We'll do that, you know. Like, don't, life is too short. There's no point taking your anxiousness or anxiety or your shit, you know, circumstances to the grave because ultimately that's where people go unless they make the change. You know, people like you and me who are able to work on something that we, you know, we appreciate. You've got your music. You thought, stuff this, I want to have a better circumstance work-wise, so you made the change. Um, so my, that's my bitch of the week. My bitch is those who won't help themselves, and it's just the same problem day in and day out for long periods of time. Well, I mean, yeah, you're 100% correct. It's just there are some nuances in that where some people are traumatised to a state where they sort of can't, they can't do anything for themselves. They know what they have to do. There's also the flip side of that, like you're talking about, where you come home and you try and make them feel better the first time, and then they're used to you doing that, and then you sort of enable. I mean, yeah, I've come from a very, a very, very simplistic view of things, of course. And I'm just saying that if it, my take on it is it's sort of can be a double-edged sword like i when i was younger i used to be like that when i was right into the gym and just you know extremely active and, and busy all the time and i was like yeah you know you've got to get off your ass and at the end of the day it is true that's there's only hope in action i mean the, the real the real ones you got to worry about are the ones that don't whinge to you they don't, they, they don't whinge about what they want to do with their lives they just sort of suffer in silence they're the ones that you really really have to worry about but i yeah sorry we're talking about bitching yes people should get off their fucking ass if they want something and not oh, like... this is an open forum man if you want to raise or something or you know add to it then by all means go for it yeah i just didn't want to come off as insensitive we're allowed to have a bitch with mitch it's fine there's nothing worse than enabling people really um you know some people are vampires and they feed off it yeah well, we're not we're not specifically targeting uh, one person or a group. It's just in our in our or in my uh, own experiences. Um, Sorry, yeah. I thought about your ex girlfriend. <laughs> oh, that too. That too. Actually, I got some news uh, in regards to that. Yeah. So, do you want to have your bitch first, or do you want me to to, to no. say this first? So, ex girlfriend of mine um, found my uh, Insta page of the podcast. Yeah. She's had a listen. Says. Oh, this suits you to the T. Um, and we start chatting, and she's begun life anew up in Queensland, and, you know, I'm happy for her. He's going to come on the podcast in the next few weeks. <laughs> cool. That's that's what you call therapeutic, I guess. Um, yeah. we um. So she had a she had something awful happen to her after me. Um, you know, it wasn't. Wasn't, wasn't, wasn't. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay but um you know life for her was probably great after after we called it quits but she she had she had a pretty traumatic experience and um she's bravely um agreed to to come on we're gonna i've never mentioned a name so i'm not gonna mention a name but she's gonna share her story and we're gonna go over you know our time together so we dated for about a year so she's got a year's worth of ammo to just to roast me if she wants to. But um, talking about that therapeutic thing, we uh, yeah, we're going to go over the dating history there and share the story and 
gives some insight as to what it was like. Um, it wasn't. Gonna, it, it should be interesting. Sorry, I was just going to say, I don't think she's going to roast you. If she's no, no. She, she, um, she, she, she could if she wanted to. Uh, yeah. But um, no, it, it should be interesting. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what to expect to be honest. Yeah, I mean, well, I can only imagine what the traumatic experience was, and anyone who wants to talk about anything like that's very brave. Whether Absolutely. One person listening or a hundred people or a million people listening either way to say things like that out loud is very brave. She always was um, sort of able to speak her mind and um, in that she always held herself to high esteem. So, you know, that respect to her. Um, yeah, she come on and share a story and we'll see what happens. Sorry, I took a digress. What about yourself, sir? What about me? What's something that grinds your gears, something that's pissed you off lately? Um, yeah, like I said, life's pretty good. I'm, I'm, I can't really complain. Like, I mean, only work three days a week, so <laughs> work doesn't rule my life anymore. Um, I don't do night shift anymore. Um, my boys are growing up. You know, I love my wife probably more every day. Don't get as much time to, to make music as I want, but you get that. I don't know, yeah. Oh, too many yuppies in Newcastle East. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's it. It's it's definitely turning to a, a yuppie paradise. I mean, in terms of COVID, uh, I I know of a few stories of people moving up and um, being able to work from home up here. And um, so you know, it's the progression of Newcastle is forever changing. Real estate's going up, and you know, people that can afford that Sydney lifestyle are moving up here and buying big. So. Yeah, I mean, and I just sort of, I don't know why you'd move to an area because it has a certain vibe about it and then you move here and you don't assimilate to the said vibe that you liked, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I don't get it, but whatever. Well, yeah, I it, I agree with you there wholeheartedly. Um, it's like, well, you're going to insert yourself into a situation and then if things don't go your way, you crack the shit. I mean, why bother in the first place? But, oh, well, power well, to mean, them. There is. The area is catering to suit them, I guess, money talks. But, yeah, I mean, it was a good little area there for a while. Sort of, it's not the place it was. It's fucking impossible to get a wave to now. Fuck me. Busy. Busy beaches and whatever yeah, else. great. All that much. And then when it is, it's just fucking, everyone drops in on you too. It's fucked. Anyway. No, sorry, that's, look, right. that's what we're here for. We're here to, this is a safe space, good sir. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, you've, you've lived in, you're pretty much right on the beach and you have been there for a while now, haven't you? Yeah, seven years. Paradise. Yep, yeah, pretty lucky. I mean, I, get, I can hear the ocean every night and it's nothing better, really. It beats the old uh, trolleys being, uh, being, you know, pushed along in the street at late hours of all nights and people going through your bin collecting cans here. So, you know, good times. No, we get that here. We get trolleys. We get all the people that are going out because sound travels really well here. So you hear people carrying on. Actually, it's uni night tonight, so I'll hear some people carrying on, I think. Oh, geez, man, that takes me back. $2 spirits when I was 18. You go to, say, Fanny's or the Ducks Nuts or something. Yeah, right. The Lucky. The The Lucky. lucky. Yeah, every Wednesday night there was, like, heavy metal, like, rap metal bands and everything playing. It was a $2 shot, so I remember those. Yeah, I remember going to um, the Underground for, like, you know, slushy. I oh, know, was the was it Frostbites for slushies? And then you go, to the, you go to the Great Northern for, there was Screamo bands there for a while, then you walk up to the Underground and get absolutely fly-blown for, yeah, like, the, for the like 30 grand. bucks. It was fucking awesome. Yeah, the Grand Hotel across from um, the cop shop. That's where yeah, man, my lord, how it's changed. Yeah, yeah, I mean, in some ways you'd call it progressive, in other ways you'd say it's not really what Newcastle is. I mean, it's still a working class city at its heart, but eh, 
whatever. I've got a foothold here. That's all that matters. Well, hopefully I'm about to invest in the house market, so hopefully all goes to plan and very close, very close. Yeah, well, the prices should drop a little bit now because the um, JobKeeper payments have stopped, so they won't. Uh, the interest rates have stayed the same, but... The, the, the price of housing is going to drop, has to, has to, had to drop anyway, but now there's going to be less money sort of being pumped into the economy by the government. So, yeah, can't really buy a house with no money or you can't pay your mortgage with no money. So, yeah, you might snap up a good bargain. Where are you looking? Uh, so uh, this house I'm looking at specifically is only a few blocks from here in Curry. So um, Curry's yeah, for me, it's good because it's freeways close to work. My parents and my friends aren't too far. And if I want, it's going to go up in value soon because there's a new estate going into Loxford. So for me, it's not a bad idea, but no. I've just got to organise. Um, I want to get a friend who's a builder to come look at it because he's got more. I'm fucking hopeless when it comes to renos and building and stuff. So, see what happens. You know, when I first started in the mines and I met people from the Hunter Valley, because I was still living on the Central Coast, they used to say, Curry, Curry. They used to say, it's a place so nice, they named it twice. Oh, I would go so far as to say it's a place so shit, they named it twice. But <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, it doesn't rhyme, does it? Anywhere that celebrates a fucking mullet festival is oh, soul-crushing. You love the mullet festival, Mitch. Come no, on. I don't, because I can't grow one. Yes, you can. No, no, I cannot. I have, so today I've taken to my... I've been shaving my head zero for a while, but today's the first actual time that I shaved it with a razor. And not only does it feel aerodynamically superior, I uh, I cut one of the freckles on my head and it hasn't stopped bleeding all day. It sucks. But look at that wind resistance, baby. My head is maximum shinage right now. Yeah, I know. I've got to put sunglasses on, I think. There you go. Human toe ball. Even illuminating straight through your screens, ladies and gentlemen. Lucky this is an audio medium. Grow it all the way at the back, please. Oh, it's Fryer Tuck vibes. Absolute Fryer Tuck. Mate, grow it and grow a ponytail and you'd be like a porn star director. In the, a porn star direct, porn director, sorry, in the 80s. Oof, I was born in the wrong era. Yeah, well, just do it. I would. I'm, I'm starting to really lose it up the top, so I think I'll do the same thing, just for my own amusement. I mean, that's, that's one good thing about our industry. You can absolutely fucking have dog shit hairstyles and look like an absolute fuckwit, and it doesn't matter. You don't have a, a uniform, you know, you don't have a set. It's not paramilitary like the fire brigade or anything clean cut, clean shaven, so... For all your, yeah, for all your caber gear and all that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, um, actually got Mines Rescue training on Tuesday, so we got the um, caber training day, assessment day, so, yeah, it's lucky I did clean shave this time around. All you got to do is remember to pull those straps when you stand up straight. Yep. That's the easiest part, then it sits on your back nicely, then you just clip everything else up. Head, cheeks, chin. Oof. Right. I used to be a friggin' master at it in the fire brigade. Yeah, I... Except for one time I'd taken pre-trainer and I had to turn around, go to this fire call out and because it was a house fire, I got like double adrenaline and I was shaking that much. I just had to get someone to suit me up. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, do you want to talk about that for a sec, you know, before we wrap things up? So you're in the fire brigade. Um, how long were you in there for and were there absolutely any crazy stories in your time? Like any like really like sort of dark moments or anything like that? Um, yeah, well, obviously, yeah. Uh, I was only in it for over two years because I moved. So when you're a retained firefighter, you have to be, you know, within a few kilometres of your station because you have to respond to a call and you can't leave the station with with your pump without four people in it. So there has to be four people to respond. Uh, basically, I moved up, up to Newcastle and my closest station was Merriweather. And, like, they had – you can't get kicked out of the fire. Well, you can if you're really shit at it, but then you, you don't pass the training anyway. 
you have to be really shit anyway um so they had to redeploy me but living where i live i knew i was too far away i'd never make the truck on time and that could be the difference between you know someone living or dying or losing their whole house you know waiting for the poor person that had a spot at the station that was never going to make the pumper on time so uh, i can always rejoin that's a good thing so if i move away from here and i'm close to a station again i can always rejoin but i was active for about two and a half years at Tookley pumper 470 so yeah um yeah we, we we went to some pretty gnarly things but i mean that's what you expected the main thing you learn when you're in emergency services is how much shit fucking goes on that you usually have no idea about yeah uh, so yeah i was a i was an emergency worker as well not like a your traditional big three but when i was working with the state government role we had what was called oscar cruise and we had it's like an ambulance style setup with red and blue flashing lights and our primary goal was to attend car accidents and you know our job there was to you know look after the traffic and clean up the roadways and keep it safe from the public so you know we we've um towed cars we've cut a I've cut a car door off before and, um, you know, with contraflows and a lot of the abuse that was held at you at all hours of the night, good fun. But you do get to, we do get to, to work with like a lot of fireys and coppers and, um, yeah, you do see some right. horrendous things and, yeah, you do, there, there is a lot behind the scenes. Another, it's a very thankless job sometimes. Like, I mean, once again, in the mines, you get paid triple what any of these people do and they're under a lot more stress. Um, yeah. I, the call that's where I've been abused, but it's because people are panicking, people are scared. I mean, it's to be expected, you know, you just sort of let it roll off the back of your roll it off your back anyway. It's not really, you just sort of understand where it's coming from. And I mean, yeah, well, I um, a story about that real quick. Um, so one night, twin servos on there, so anyone knows the M1 motorway is probably the busiest stretch road in New South Wales, or at least not very close to it. And one night, um, just when the MBN was being right, there was a huge spindle of, of cable, and it, it weighed about 30 tonnes, these guys told us. And it come off the back of a flatbed truck coming out of the servo. And it was the middle of the day, hissing down rain, and we had to organise traffic to sort of, so as it merged onto a two-lane highway, it come out just as the, like the, the merging point was into lane one. And we had to sort of contraflow people around. Oh, it was a mess. And the fact that it was pissing down rain, the abuse we got, because, you know, we couldn't just get a towie there straight away because the traffic was too heavy. And, oh, mate, that was... And the the comments, well, hurry the fuck up. You know, I've got places to be. I'm like, mate, you know, I, was, I was just about to knock off and go and see me, you know, me family and that. And, you know, we're stuck here. And... Um, truck gonna lift a 30 ton fucking spindle we had to get a frenner on site had to get another one of those long flat beds and up as we had to close that section of the highway and contraflow them back on the northbound for a section it was a fucking mess man yeah it would have been you're lucky it didn't fucking unravel well yeah i mean it was lucky it was tensioned and tied in and the clamp the 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 start of the, the spindle was clamped in on the side so it can't actually unravel but Giant, a giant wooden spindle. I've got photos. I'll send them to you. It's pretty horrendous. Yeah, it should just be. Yeah. I mean, flip side of that, someone hurling down the freeway doesn't see it to the last minute. Their fucking car crumples and they're dead. I mean. Yeah, well, I've got 101 stories of. I call them. I guess you call them emergency fails, but sure, we both do. But you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it can be a very thankless job. It's, but at the same time, my the whole mentality I've been at it with was I'd rather I have to deal with it than someone else. You know what I mean? So that's the way I always used to look at it when I was at something gnarly. This is true, good sir. Oh, well, yeah, I didn't. So before we wrap things up, 
a lot of people aren't aware, you probably aren't aware either, is that you, you, I see you as kind of like when I started the pit, you were like a, a bit of a mentor for me. You taught me some shit, you know, you taught me a different way of thinking, which I'm great, grateful for. And like, you know, you taught me, you know, things to look out for, not to be so hard on you, because I've always been a perfectionist. So like, you know, I never really stopped to say thanks for, for having my back for all those years, because there are times there where I, I thought about packing it in for the wrong reasons. And yeah, so. Um, oh, you appreciate it, man. If I didn't like you, I wouldn't have looked out for you. But no, you're welcome, man. Like still, still now, you know, if you ever need anything, you just, just have to message me. I probably won't be able to respond Friday, Saturday, Sunday during the day because I'm underground but any other time I'm very likely responding. And likewise, appreciate that. You know, and some of the things you've taught me I, I've taken on board and have showed other people um, but, you know, yeah. that's what it is. Circle of life continues and everything, so... Be lonely when you, yeah, it can be a very lonely old place. This is true. Oh, is there anything else that you want to close out on, man? Or I'll get you to send me all your details for your socials and stuff. And yeah, I mean, yeah, well, thanks for having me. I don't think people would have made it to the end of this chat, but if they do, cool. Um, yeah, if anything I've said resonates with you, that's cool. And all the best. Hope everyone has a good, good year after last year. Last year's dumpster fire. Well, that's episode twenty of uh, Life's Image. Up the pan. <laughs> up, up, Cronulla. Um, but, yeah, so that's episode 20. I'm going to go get me a schnitty because I'm hungry. But, um, so, yeah, that's episode 20. Thanks for listening, guys, and I'll catch you on the next one. Bye for now. So without further ado, I would like to introduce uh, some of Dan's music. This is uh, Six Circuit. Check your sections with the song Limits. Hope you enjoy. What you've done to yourselves is an atrocity. But what you've done to